From Washington, D.C., across the nation and around the world, stand by for an overview of the hottest topics and people being discussed on air, online, at the coffee shop and across the backyard fence, powered by the research of Talkers magazine, The National Conversation. It's time for the Michael Harrison Wrap. Here's Michael Harrison. Thank you, Victoria Jones. Monday, June 11th through Friday, June 15th, 2022. It was a week of international tension, domestic division, economic pain, medical disappointment, cosmic splendor, and the unexpected death of a colorful, iconic woman. Get ready for a powerful hour of Black Belt Talk Radio, during which your tolerance for hearing different but legitimate points of view will be tested. We've got lefties, we've got righties, and we've got fence-sitters. Please don't get angry, just listen closely, and while doing so, maintain a degree of educated skepticism, regardless of whether or not you agree. We'll be joined by Kevin Casey at Talkers with a countdown of the 10 biggest topics of the week. Harry Hurley in Atlantic City, Peter King at the Kennedy Space Center, Dr. Dahlia Wax in Las Vegas, Todd Feinberg in Hartford, Victoria Jones in Washington, D.C., and Matthew B. Harrison in Springfield, Mass. Influential yappers from across the country with microphones, smartphones, and digital recording devices sharing their observations and the feelings of their target constituents with whom they do a daily dance of affirmation in a fragmented, noisy world where we try to avoid the modern-day syndrome of seeking victory at the expense of truth. Welcome to the Michael Harrison Wrap. Heard coast to coast and around the world on great radio stations across the U.S. and the U.K. The past week's hottest political and social topics discussed in the American talk media. Information's gathered from a variety of sources, including data tracked by the broadcasting trade publication Talkers Magazine, of which I'm editor and publisher. This week's program is being sponsored in part by C. Crane, makers and distributors of excellent radios that people in the radio business listen to. Check out their website and catalog at ccrane.com and use promo code TALKERS22 for a limited 10% discount. Okay, here we go. Joining us now is Kevin Casey, executive editor of Talkers Magazine. Kevin, give us a rundown of the 10 most talked about stories on talk shows in America this past week. Thank you, Michael. At number 10, the James Webb Space Telescope. After a couple of decades and $10 billion in the making, the James Webb Telescope began sending back stunning pictures of galaxies and heavenly bodies literally on the edge of the visible universe. And we ain't seen nothing yet. The amazing device situated about a million miles from Earth is poised to take us back to the beginning of time and perhaps into the atmospheres of life-bearing exoplanets. At number nine, Ivana Trump dies. The colorful first wife of Donald Trump and the mother of his three eldest children, Donald Jr., Ivanka, and Eric, passed away suddenly at the age of 73 from what is reportedly heart failure. They were the quintessential New York City power couple back in the 80s as she helped the future president of the United States build his real estate development empire. It was Donald's affair with actress Marla Maples who went on to become his second wife and the mother of Tiffany that doomed the marriage. His third and current wife, Melania, the former first lady, is the mother of his fifth child, Baron. At number eight, a three-way tie between immigration, race relations, and abortion rights. Immigration continues to be a growing crisis and major election issue in the southern border states, and the political merchants of division keep race relations on the front burner of American concerns week after week, 
month after month, year after year, and century after century. The abortion rights controversy in the aftermath of the recent Supreme Court ruling overturning Roe v. Wade was amplified this week by a high-profile story of a 10-year-old rape victim forced to leave her home state of Ohio to terminate a pregnancy in an adjacent state. Attention is now turning to the rights of a woman to cross state lines seeking an abortion. At number seven, crime and guns. The number of shootings and gun murders in urban areas across America continues to spike way beyond those that receive attention in the media. And the issue of gun control remains front and center in the national conversation, although a large segment of Americans claim that firearms are not the driving force behind the complex problems that are symptomatic of a toxic society. At number six, big tech, Elon Musk and censorship. Elon Musk is facing a slew of legal issues, including a major lawsuit as he tries to squirm out of buying Twitter, while the giant social media platform says, not so fast, buddy. He's also embroiled in a very loud and public personal feud with former President Trump, who's turned to his own truth social platform to lob attacks at the iconoclastic billionaire. It's sort of like King Kong versus Godzilla or Alien versus Terminator. At number five, COVID-19. The highly contagious BA5 variant is sweeping through the nation with hospitalizations and deaths on the rise, although they are thankfully nowhere near the terrifying numbers posted in 2020. Then there's the growing threat of monkeypox. Regardless of the dangers, people of all political ideologies seem disgusted with wearing masks, social distancing, getting vaccinated and boosted, and certainly government mandates. At number four, a four-way tie between the Russia-Ukraine war, foreign affairs, political turmoil in Sri Lanka, and President Biden's visit to Israel. The war continues to escalate as the U.S. and Western nations continue to supply Ukraine with money and arms, while Russia continues to bomb the nation's infrastructure and civilian population. In Sri Lanka, the president was forced to flee the country amidst the storming of the capital by protesters, food shortages, and runaway inflation. In his visit to Israel this week, President Biden faced strong pressure from the Israeli president to harden America's stance against Iran developing nuclear weapons. Biden went on to meet with Palestinian officials at the end of the week, discussing a controversial two-state solution before heading to Saudi Arabia for the final leg of this highly scrutinized Middle East trip. At number three, the January 6th committee hearings. Former President Trump is now being accused of witness tampering as the hearings grind on, gathering evidence to implicate him as the instigator-in-chief of the attack on the nation's Capitol building more than a year ago. And as the week came to an end, the committee indicated that it would like to have former Vice President Mike Pence, as well as Trump himself, testify before it. Who knows what surprises the committee has in store for us next week. At number two, the economy. Skyrocketing inflation that's impacting housing, energy, and fuel continues to cause headaches for the Biden administration, not to mention a large segment of the American public struggling to make ends meet. The spread of homelessness, squalor, and crime is just one of the toxic byproducts of this problematic scenario. At number one this week, partisan politics and elections. Between the primaries, the forthcoming midterms, and the 2024 presidential election looming on the horizon, America has become a hotbed of political mudslinging and desperate neck-to-neck contests between the Republicans and Democrats in local and statewide races that will impact the balance of power between the parties going forward. One thing is becoming evident. An increasing number of Americans, especially younger voters, are not thrilled with the prospect of having to again choose between Biden and Trump. Might we see a race between Hillary and DeSantis? Too soon to tell? 
Perhaps. Thank you, Kevin Casey from Talkers Magazine. You're plugged into the Michael Harrison rap. Let's kick off the interview segment of this week's program by visiting our dear friend, Harry Hurley, the longtime morning host at WPG, our affiliate in Atlantic City, New Jersey, and a regularly appearing host on Fox News Radio. You've got a big convention that starts today, today being Thursday, the uh, 14th of July, just to timestamp this, and that is the, uh, the big NAACP convention. What does that mean to the city? Well, it means a whole lot, Michael. And, Michael, thank you for having me on your great show. To earn the business of the national NAACP convention when the entire country, every major city, uh, is trying to get that business, it was a huge feather for New Jersey in the cap and, and in particular, Atlantic City. We will have eight to 10,000 delegates. We will have some of the most relevant people in the country. People are saying, including the president and vice president at some point. It's a who's who special event. It's the biggest national convention to come to Atlantic City since the 1964 Democratic National Convention, which should have been President Kennedy's convention, but turned out to be President Johnson's convention. And Atlantic City performed abysmally. It was abject failure. And until the advent of casino gaming, Atlantic City was crushed by the national media for how poorly they performed. So this is this this is a uh, spotlight on Atlantic City and uh, puts a lot of pressure on uh, the infrastructure, on the hospitality business, on the government, on the public safety, the whole thing. Um, uh, you think that uh, Atlantic City is up to the task? Yeah, all the above. You're absolutely correct, Michael. And yes, uh, I'll say we because uh, I love Atlantic City. And when Atlantic City succeeds, the entire state succeeds. You know, Atlantic City is known as the world's playground, and that's for a good reason. We can handle big things. There's a big difference. 1964, Atlantic City had substandard rooms. They didn't have the moxie to schmooze the media. They put the media in substandard rooms. They gave them paper towels to shower with, and the national media crushed Atlantic City basically for 14 years until casino gaming, and then they couldn't because the product was opulent. We have great hotel rooms and suites. We have some of the finest restaurants in the country. Atlantic City is going to deliver big time. What's your feeling about race relations in America right now? Having this convention there brings, of course, not just people and business, but it brings thought, ideology, conversation, confrontation, debate. So, so where do you stand on the subject of, I know it's a broad question, it's a tough one, but where do you well, stand a, on, the, yeah, on, it's, on it's race a great relations? Question. Uh, race relations in our country right now are a mess. Our politicians use it. They use it as a wedge issue. They use it to divide people. Uh, so it's a mess. To have the national convention of the NAACP is huge. Let me give you one example, Michael. There was a beach that back in the days of segregation in Atlantic City called Chicken Bone Beach. Okay, sort of like Dr. Joe Biden with her comment about uh, the uniqueness of San Antonio because of breakfast tacos. This was a beach that was not predominantly, it was solely African-American. And it was named Chicken Bone Beach because chicken would be brought down to the beach and chicken bones would be on the beach and this kind of thing. The NAACP National Convention is going to recreate Chicken Bone Beach during this national convention. Wow. That's how noteworthy that segment of our history, of not that long ago when you think about it, uh, is. 
So we need to improve in our race relations. These elected officials who use it as a wedge issue need to knock it off, and we need to do better. Uh, how how do you recreate Chicken Bone Beach? Uh, that that you've you've kind of uh, piqued my curiosity with that. I don't know every single plan uh-huh. of how they're going to do it, but I do know they're going to they're going to have beach sand, and they're going to have actors, and they're going to actually recreate it I like see. you would see the Civil War recreated oh, with actors in 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 blue and gray. Uh huh. And and of course, I would imagine many people consider the the the, the terminology "chicken bone beach" to um, you know. Uh, stand for a uh, African American attended beach as being a pejorative, as being an insult, uh, a racial stereotype. You're absolutely correct. Uh, I I bring it up only because it, it happened. It's part of our history. I bring it up because the NAACP National Convention is going to recreate it. Right. And I bring it up because it happened. And I agree with you completely. It's reprehensible. Uh, but that term was used and put out there like nothing back in the day. By, by both African-Americans and whites. Mm. Crime is a problem in our cities. Every city in America is reporting an uptick in crime statistics. Understand uh, there was a, uh, an, an unsettling, uh, an, you know, disturbing crime was committed, um, violence, gunshots in Atlantic City this past week. Didn't hear much about it in the national news. It's funny how that, I don't mean funny in a haha, but it's ironic how we pick and choose which uh, shootings we publicize nationally in the news and which ones are under the carpet. What happened? Well, that's the answer right there. Then I'll tell you what happened. There's a, a equivalent of a mass shooting in Chicago every weekend. All of our major cities have this going on. But unless it fits a certain narrative that can then be exploited, for political purposes, you never hear a word about it. And the term you use was absolutely correct. It swept under the rug. How about a 13-year-old shooting two people in broad daylight just a few days ago in Atlantic City in the run-up to the national NAACP convention and during Jimmy Johnson, the NFL great, Dallas uh, head football coach, championship coach, in his iconic tournament, Michael Jordan is here as we speak on Michael's show. Uh, it's an absolute who's who event. Jimmy Johnson's Quest for the Ring, which is a fishing tournament. We have the most opulent, beautiful boats all here right now in Atlantic City. Uh, many, many uh, famous people are here. And then when you have this kind of thing go on, when you're trying to shine, it's very disconcerting. And there have been multiple shootings in the past few days. So are you saying that um, much of the conversation that we have about these pressing problems that we must tend to are kind of fake and politically motivated and not necessarily the result of goodwill or honest intentions? Well, yes, you said it, and I'll, I'll sign on to that doctrine. And the reason I'm so comfortable saying that is we watch it happen. We watch the incidents that are exploited, and they are exploited in, in reprehensible ways that don't fix problems. We never get to the solution because they just want to have the problem to carp about. But then we're not talking about the persistent problem that it's happening on a daily or weekly basis. So that, I believe that's incontrovertible what you said. That's Harry Hurley, the longtime morning talk show host at WPG, our affiliate in Atlantic City, New Jersey, and a regularly heard host on Fox News Radio. Coming up next, a trip to the Kennedy Space Center. 
You're plugged into the Michael Harrison Wrap. Greetings, fellow radio lovers. Thank goodness for C-Crane. C-Crane specializes in high-quality radios and radio-oriented audio products. And now, C-Crane carries their very own CC Solar Observer. When the power suddenly goes out, and that happens a lot these days, do you get that sinking feeling? Do I have a flashlight? Do I have a radio? The CC Solar Observer AM, FM, and Weather Radio will keep you informed during and after a powerless event. And it doesn't require electricity. C-Crane CC Solar Observer can be powered by the hand crank, solar panel, or common AA batteries, has a built-in flashlight, and has the ability to charge a smartphone in a pinch. I recommend it. To order the CC Solar Observer, call C-Crane now at 800-522-8863. That's 800-522-8863, or visit ccrane.com. Use promo code TALKERS22 for limited discounts until July 31st. Continuing now with the Michael Harrison Wrap. The long-awaited first images taken by the James Webb Space Telescope made public by NASA this week brought the wonders of the cosmos to the talk shows of America. We caught up with CBS News Radio correspondent Peter King, who's been covering the space program at the Kennedy Space Center for years. The pictures we have seen, the images we have seen, have been unbelievable, and they're just scratching the surface. It's just the proverbial tip of the iceberg, and uh, we, as uh, space reporters and scientists, as the scientists they are, can't wait to see what's yet to come. The first several images have just been nothing short of spectacular. The the subject of space, before we get into the, uh, the James Webb Space Telescope specifically, the subject of space, I find covering um, talk media and talk radio uh, specifically, it, it's kind of looked at as a novelty item. It, 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 they don't seem to appreciate it as being really important news on so many levels. And um, I love when something like this happens with the a big story like the James Webb Space Telescope because it actually made our top 10. It squeaked in at number 10, but it was in, in the top 10 stories talked about on, on talk radio. I, what's your opinion of, about the, the status of space and science in general in terms of the, the mainstream media in America? Well, the mainstream media love to cover this stuff, and we do a lot of space and science stories at CBS News. But the general public, uh, unless it's a spectacular thing like this, or a moon landing, or landing on Mars, or whatever, uh, there is not as much interest in that as uh, as you would think and as you would hope. And some people blame NASA, some people blame the media. I'm not sure whose who's fault that is. I think right now uh, it's a matter for listeners of, okay, well, that's nice, but what does it do for me? As opposed to the big picture, uh, what does it do for humankind? And I think those are both legitimate questions. Well, what do you think this uh, latest revelation that we are able to, it's a revelation of what we're able to do with this telescope, that we're going to be able to see exoplanet atmospheres. We could see uh, galaxies that we didn't know were there, that are supposedly at the edge of the known universe when time began. What value does this have? Well, yeah, but Michael, in, that, in your opening phrase there, you illustrated something perfectly. I don't know any average person who knows what the heck an at- exoplanet is. 
and uh, that's a term we use a lot in uh, covering space. But you have to explain that an exoplanet ha- may have the uh, science, excuse me, the elements uh, of life or something to support life, you know, measurable oxygen, that kind of thing. Now, <laughs> you know what? I got off on my high horse there, and I forgot the rest of your question. Well, the question basically is, is well, what what importance is this to people who say, well, you know, who cares? You know, what, what, what does it mean to me what happened 13 billion years ago or what happens 3 trillion light years from now, blah, blah, blah? Uh, how do you, well, how about, do you answer about, them? Think about how many people go on those uh, uh websites where you can trace your ancestry right and find out where you came from this is uh kind of the same sort of thing brilliant answer brilliant uh, scientists think that this will tell us a lot more about uh the big bang about how all of it began where we came from and quite frankly you know what is our place in the universe? Yeah, I was telling one of my and, friends in radio that we are all, we really are stardust. You know, Carl Sagan said that. Joni Mitchell wrote that. But we really yeah. are. And and he 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 looked at me even though we were on the telephone. I could see his face like I was some kind of wacko. We're stardust. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, but Michael, that's 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 absolutely true because we don't know what else is out there. We don't know what kind of life may be out there. Right. It may be like the life forms that you and I know here on Earth, it might be something totally different, but I think it would be awfully egocentric for us as Earthlings to think that we're the only ones alive in the entire uh, universe. Uh, I have a hard time believing that, and I know that there's got to be somebody somewhere out there. They're probably watching reruns of I Love Lucy by now. Yeah, and, and even if they are, that's just an infinitesimally small part of the universe. You know, you've heard of the uh, the Fermi paradox, where you know people wonder, well, where is everybody? All the elements are right. The time is right. The size is right. Where, where is everybody? But the size factor, it's like going to the beach with a, a drinking glass, filling it up with ocean water and saying, I don't see any whales. I don't see any fish. It's, it, it, I, think, I, think, I think of the little old men we see down here on Florida beaches with the metal detectors. You know, wow, I found a quarter. Yeah. <laughs> well, you don't know what else is out there. Yeah, exactly. But so, so one of the things that I find is is very difficult for the average person, including myself. I think not even for the average person, for every person, is to come to some type of wrapping your brain around, you know, comprehension of the gigantic numbers involved in measuring and approaching the universe. It's almost beyond our um, pay scale, so to speak, in terms of the wiring of our brains. Well, I totally agree with you, and it's tough for me to wrap my head around it, too. And you took took the line right out of my mouth. I was going to say it's way above my pay grade. I think, mm-hmm. you know, in our day-to-day lives, you know, we're concerned more about what's in front of us, what surrounds us, what has an effect on what we're doing at our jobs, or uh, what, are we gonna have, what are we going to have for dinner that night, or which baseball game am I going to watch, and, and not necessarily thinking about these esoteric but important questions. Questions. But I think, you know, the moment that we find something that, that might indicate that there is something alive out there, 
uh, I think that all changes. And, you know, it, it changes in a way where people will be, will be curious. It changes in a way that, frankly, I'm sure people will be somewhat afraid. Think of those science fiction movies like War of the Worlds and so on and so forth. But I think curious is going to outrun everything. And, uh, you know, that's what science is all about. And journalism, too, for that matter. That's CBS News Radio correspondent Peter King at the Kennedy Space Center. You're plugged into the Michael Harrison rap. Every time we think the COVID-19 pandemic is safely behind us, another wave and another variant seems to pop up and ruin our plans. Let's catch up with our medical correspondent in Las Vegas, Nevada, noted physician and nationally syndicated radio talk show host, her daily on the Genesis Communications Network, Dr. Dahlia Wax. What makes this different is people are getting reinfected. So those who got COVID in December, January, and then might have gotten it in the spring, are getting it even a third time now in July. And it's because we have variants coming a lot quicker than we have in previous months. And so this BA5 variant now is making up the majority of the cases, and that kind of came about in the last month or two. And it seems to escape our vaccine immunity. It seems to escape our natural immunity. And so everything we thought we knew about a year ago uh, is changed and almost almost out the window. We are noticing less hospitalizations and deaths, but they are still going up. And would like to think that COVID isn't deadly anymore, but sadly deaths have doubled in the last um, few days. We were at 300 deaths a day happening. Now we're at about 650 deaths a day. So it is still a killer virus. Thank God, nothing like it was two years ago. But I think the reason why people are stressed is because they thought if they got it once, they're done. They thought if they got vaccinated, they're done. And we're not done. So so this new BA5 uh, is resistant to any of the boosters and any of the, 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 the first vaccination and the second vaccination and the, the third vaccination as a booster, then the fourth vaccination as the second booster. I mean, many, many, many people listening to this broadcast have had four jabs, as they say, and this BA5 doesn't care about that at all? Yeah, it seems like it might care about it a little bit in terms of maybe shortening its course. Mm. But for the most part, I'm seeing unvaccinated and vaccinated people having similar clinical courses to their COVID, the sore throat, the cough, the running nose, the body aches, the fatigue, some are getting nausea. And it, and I think a recent study has shown that the effectiveness from infection with Prior Omicron strains only seems to help us from reinfection, maybe at the most 28%. So our natural immunity is at least 72% lacking. Our vaccines are ranging anywhere from after a few months, I believe about 25% to 18% efficacious. So these numbers are starting to be worse than the flu shots. And I really fear that this is going to really affect public health and future vaccination rollouts because who's going to want to get the new vaccine after having taken four of the old one and and you know we really need to do this right and i think rather than pushing the older vaccine it's really high time we get the newer vaccine or otherwise nobody's going to want to vaccinate next year and what about what about the the mask wearing and the social distancing and the staying home and not wanting to go out and um, as i mentioned uh, a few moments ago it seems that people are on one hand, very worried about this, on another hand, socially in denial about it. I mean, people are going to sporting events and gatherings and parties and hugging and 
shaking hands. I, I, I can't get it. Doesn't seem politicized anymore. It seems that everybody's on the same side now. They a, a, mm-hmm. against maybe the medical establishment uh, who they demand answers from. Um, mm-hmm. What do you, what are your what are your professional and personal thoughts? On this. Absolutely. Well, I thought it was fascinating that that Anthony Fauci, uh, Dr. Fauci, you know, was very quick to say, look, we're not talking mandates. I think he had to very quickly clarify when he was talking about masks because he realizes that the public does not like mandates. So so that that's one thing I think we've we've learned. And and it appears that that the government has kind of gotten the message that that mandates, you know, don't seem to really ring well and, and popular with with the public but but where where i think people are really frustrated with the medical establishment is you had doctors with school two schools of thought some who were like what i said saying look guys we got to be open to the science but yeah you will still carry the virus if if you're vaccinated you will still get sick and you know i kept true everything i've said has still held true these masks might not always protect you you got to get an n95 respirator not the 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 you know the bandanas you guys are wearing but you know, doctors like me were marginalized, and they said, "No, no, no, no! You, you're you're spreading misinformation." And so, doctors are frustrated because we weren't believed in the way beginning. Patients are frustrated because doctors were like, "No, just get the vaccine and you're good. Just get the vaccine and you're good." So people feel slighted with the masks. Listen, you know, it. I, and I tell people, I go, "Look, you know, the 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 best thing we could do, you know, to to get the public on board with." understanding that this is real is them getting COVID because any one of us that got COVID, we know it stinks Mm -hmm. and you don't have to pinch my arm. I am going to try to protect myself because I didn't like getting COVID. Getting COVID stunk. And maybe that's what we needed. I, and, and I notice a lot of people, they're just spending less. Now, that could be inflation. But I think a lot of people are like, you know what, there's a new COVID wave. I don't want to get that again. And, and so I, I think people are now making their own decisions. Government telling you what to do doesn't work. But I think once people are like, oh, that was horrible, and I was down for the count for weeks, now they're going to start to hopefully, you know, do better things like washing hands, avoiding kissing, and, you know, maybe fist bumping instead of shaking hands, things like that. I see people that work in offices. I, I've had a number of doctor's appointments. I've got a um, a cataract uh, surgery coming up. So I've been at the eye doctor and then the regular doctor just in preparation for that. And I watch very carefully all the personnel in these offices. And uh, in the state I live in, it's a law that you can't enter a medical facility without wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. And I get the feeling you know, I see all these flimsy masks on people that work at the doctor's offices. They're not all these N95s that you talk about. Uh, I get the feeling that people are wearing masks to be socially respectful of other people who are wearing masks to be socially respectful and that nobody really believes it's working. Or I shouldn't say nobody. Obviously, people do. But that a lot of this mask wearing it's just being done for, for appearances' sake so as not to seem disrespectful to the people around you who might be wearing a mask. Does that make sense? Yes, you hit it on the head. What had happened early on in the pandemic is patients were getting belittled and berated when they were in the hospital with COVID, saying, you guys did this to yourselves. You didn't wear a mask. And patients like, I have been wearing a mask. I have been wearing a mask. And and we were we were punishing people and marginally marginalizing people and assuming, well, if you got it, it's because you weren't wearing a mask. And so once somebody got covid when they were wearing the mask, 
then they started to go, well, maybe this isn't helping. You know, I do think it provides a little bit of a barrier, but again, we have to breathe. And study after studies have shown that the, that the virus escapes the mask. It might cut down on some of the viral load, but, but to the point where we were kicking people out of restaurants, we were forcing autistic kids to put something on their face or kick them off a, 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 a airplane that it, it just went too far and and that, that's that's the problem whenever you do a public health and you and i have been talking about this from the beginning we have to be very very careful because the more intrusive we get and the more draconian we get what you get less people than on board later and and we're going to have bigger fish to fry and i need to know that when the cdc says something people are going to say okay yeah i'm going to wear a mask now there's such distrust of the masks and they shouldn't be. Masks are fantastic. It's just, yeah, they didn't work, you know, for COVID the way they should have. Um, so now now people are looking at masks as useless, and they're not. They're still very valuable. That's our medical correspondent, Dr. Dahlia Wax of the Genesis Communications Network. Coming up next, a discussion about the idiots in our society and a whole lot more. You're plugged into the Michael Harrison Wrap. This report is brought to you by Genesis 2 Project, D2P. Recently, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, the ODNI, released a preliminary report on possible threats posed by UFOs, now known as Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, UAP, and the progress the Department of Defense, UAP Task Force, has made in understanding any threats. Dr. J.C. Van Velkenberg is a former Los Alamos National Lab biophysicist who has been working with G2P to bring scientifically sound UAP data to the public. G2P has released the first scientifically authenticated documentation of UAPs, including images captured with infrared technology. Primo Forensics performed the digital forensic analysis. In tandem with the ODNI report, these data support the development of relevant processes, policies, technologies, and training for the U.S. military and government personnel upon encountering UAP. Visit Genesis2Project.com. Continuing now with the Michael Harrison Wrap as we discuss the hottest topics of the past week in the national conversation. As many of you know, in addition to being a radio broadcaster and publisher of a broadcasting trade journal, I'm also a member of an old classic rock band whose roots go all the way back to the late 60s, Gun Hill Road. We have a satirical new song about to be released in August titled Idiots. I sing lead on the tune, or to be more precise, I talk, sing it, and it makes fun of all the dumb people in our society and the stupid things they do. Earlier this week, I played a sneak preview of the song on my colleague Todd Feinberg's show on WTIC, our affiliate in Hartford, Connecticut, and it prompted a stimulating conversation about the danger idiots present to our national well-being. It's, it's basically a joke. It's basically a fun commentary. Don't you think most people... First of all, we're among friends now. The people listening to this broadcast 
are among, and I'm not being patronizing. I happen to know this from, from research and observation. People that listen to talk shows, people that even public radio, whatever it is, people that listen to the, that follow news are among the most intelligent people in our society. When you think about all the other forms of entertainment and the things that take up people's thoughts. So uh, this is not aimed at the people listening to this show. If anything, we're all in on it. And what I find is that most intelligent people, and thank goodness we still have them, think that one of the biggest problems facing our current society in America and perhaps the world, but certainly in America, is that there are idiots all over the place. It, it, yeah. I mean, it says that <laughs> idiots walk among us, they talk yeah. among us, and they yeah. stalk among us. They, they're, they're trolls. They, they're they, they pursue stupid ideas. And, you know, I don't mean to be impolite, but I consider ignorance and stupidity to be almost up there with the, with the pandemic, that there's a pandemic of ignorance and dumbness. And you cannot run a sophisticated society, um, a democracy, if people are uneducated, ignorant, foolish, ill-informed and not of really sound mind that's that's what it's about yeah well i i agree with all that the, the the situation is though that i don't look at individual americans and say uh the average american is dumb and missing the point what i see is that we have a power structure of people who are making sure that the average person totally misunderstands and is distracted by disinformation and phony narratives to be pointing fingers at each other instead of at the people who are the perpetrators of the the economic and, and ignorant violence against the average person's understanding. So we would know a lot better if the education system was not sold out to special interest groups and actually educated. We would mm -hmm. know a lot better if elected people told us the truth instead of trying to spin lies at us all day long because you know, now with a, a, a media that doesn't really have a news media that doesn't have the resources anymore to report news, we are being shrunk down to where press releases get issued by the political class and they get repeated almost verbatim by most of the news media. So we're we're just swimming in ignorance. Yes. And, and that makes me want to point the finger at the people who are creating that situation, not the people who are victimized by it. Yes. Yes, you, you are correct. However, I will accept victimization only so far. A lot of people are willing victims. A lot of people know they're victims and don't care. A lot of people uh, are lazy and don't go to the trouble to find out if they're a victim. I mean, you have to be really ignorant not to know the basics of what you have just said. What you have just said in my opinion, is a, is, is a whole series of truths. But, but how long can, it's almost like a nanny state in reverse by saying the people aren't responsible for the fact that the, the, the news media is, is lying to them and that the government is, is um, ill-intended. Uh, people in a democracy, in a nation like this in the 21st century have to eventually take responsibility for all of these things that are victimizing them. I don't I don't know that there's a it's so hard to get someone to see 
the like if they understand math and you tell them two plus two is four and you can show them there are the four dot the two dots and two dots we put them together we have four see two plus two equals four mm-hmm. and they can see it and they understand the 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 math that you're doing and then they say no that's not true it's five because well, we, we see this all the time this right wasn't the weapons of mass destruction era that we went through an example of two plus two is five i mean come on there, there are so many things that pass as okay that anybody with half a brain go wait a second that doesn't add up you know and and i'm not i don't mean to bring up a 20 year old subject but the fact is that we have them all the time um, two plus two equals five in a society that um, is Orwellian and uh, where people are submissive to what's considered to be the mainstream, you know, zeitgeist, if you will. It's a, it's incredible to me, though. You know, I grew up in Lexington, Massachusetts, a, a fairly um, upscale, intellectually upscale, not the richest of towns back then but it was there were a lot of college professors my mother was a college professor i lived in a neighborhood with tons of college professors from mit and harvard and tufts and they're the people who read all the fancy publications and they fall for all dumb stuff too so i don't i don't know what the answer is to to those idiots if they're diving into information all the time doesn't let them escape bad narratives mm-hmm. well everybody can do better i mean there's no doubt <laughs> that's a clip of a conversation i had earlier this week as a guest of todd feinberg on his talk show heard on our hartford affiliate wtic after i previewed my forthcoming record idiots with the group gun hill road i'll be playing the song in its entirety soon on this show along with information about how to see the video you're plugged into the michael harrison rap Ivana Trump died of heart failure this week. Joining us to reflect upon it is the executive director of the D.C. radio company, Victoria Jones. Ivana Trump, the mother of his three oldest children, 73, just died. It was just a huge surprise, I think, to everybody. Uh, Very beautiful woman, very athletic. She was a skier. Interestingly, Trump was her second husband, uh, which I think most of us didn't know. And, you know, they they were business partners as well as lovers. She really was instrumental in working side by side with him as he built that empire in New York and New Jersey. I get the feeling that to really be able to get along with Trump as a um, as a wife or as a uh, child, you have to be interested in business. I was uh, looking at an old um, interview uh, from several years ago with Ivana Trump, and she talked about how he was he was a, a caring father and a good provider, but he, he really had nothing in common with his children until they were adults so that he could talk business with them. And she even mentioned that he handled the divorce like a business deal, and in all business deals he has to win, and it was brutal. But once it was over, he... He was cool. He didn't have any anger or emotion to her. And as a result, they became friends. Strange people. Strange people. It must have been a very strange life. And, it, you know, it ended, of course, when 
he had an affair with Marla Maples and they got divorced in the 90s. And we can only speculate how she felt about that at that time. But she went on to have a highly successful life of her own. She, um, uh, you know, created things. She sold them on QVC. She designed things. She wrote books. You you wonder whether she found happiness herself as an independent woman completely separately. She also appeared in that film, you know, uh, and uh, and had this great line um, in the first Wives Club in the 1996 hit film with the famous line, ladies, you have to be strong and independent. And remember, don't get mad get everything. <laughs> and and that's probably why she went on to such a great life, is that she got plenty. It wasn't that she was wanting. Um, she got rid of a guy that was cheating on her. Um, she got rid of a guy, but she didn't get rid of the name. She didn't get rid of the glamour. She didn't get rid of the money. And she had the children. Uh, do you know anything about her relationship with her kids? I mean, did she maintain a relationship with them? Yes, I believe she did. And I believe it was a understood to be a close relationship with her kids, that she got on, got on well with her kids. As far as I can see, Ivana Trump was a very smart woman. That's the executive director of the DC radio company, Victoria Jones. You're plugged into the Michael Harrison rap. Okay, we have time for one more. Joining us now is a man who's always standing by, the executive producer of the Michael Harrison rap, vice president and associate publisher of Talkers, and media law professor, Matthew B. Harrison. Okay, Matthew, once again, here we are, Elon Musk, fascinating character. He's on the survey. He's being talked about on two fronts right now, not just one, two. He's involved in this petty bickering situation that's uh, part personal and part politics and who knows what else with one of the world's greatest bickerers, and that is, of course, Donald J. Trump, former president of the United States. Um, he's also... Uh, in the news in terms of the Twitter deal that uh, continues to churn up all kinds of intrigue. Where do you want to start? Uh, let's start with the Twitter deal. Yeah, what's happening? Uh, Twitter has filed suit uh, suggesting that Musk's strategy is bad faith. It's a model of hypocrisy and that ever since the stock started taking a turn for the worse, he has just wanted to get out of uh, the deal. He's arguing that it's uh, not possible uh, to accurately figure out which uh, amount of users are bots, that they uh, their sample size is very small compared to the amount of data that runs through what the site calls the fire hose. But he asked for all the data, and he still wasn't able to really figure out how many bots were uh, on the site. Mm. But the existence of bots would ultimately devalue the advertising because there'd be less actual people seeing the ads on it. You know what's amazing is that when this whole thing started, he, he presented himself as a cultural hero and a savior of the First Amendment. That, that, that he wanted to do this to be able to restore fairness and openness and non-censorship to one of the most important communications vehicles we have in our time. And he even said that he would bring back Donald Trump. Now he sounds like some guy buying a, a dry cleaning store, seeing how many hangers they use and how much uh, money they make uh, by pressing a pair of pants. Well, they, they so there's a lot of contracts that were signed and letters that were signed, but there was also a, a non-disclosure agreement as to how Twitter actually does perform their random sampling. Uh, and it turns out 
9,000 accounts are are, um, examined per quarter and uh, they determine how many uh, are bots based upon uh, a bunch of uh, testing that they do. Um, And and, uh, ultimately, uh, Musk had said that the estimates were only uh, 100 at a time. And um, so is it breaking an NDA if you tweet the wrong information deliberately? In some ways... Musk has performed a service to all of us by exposing the weaknesses of this mysterious monument to communications, you know, uh, power, uh, Twitter. Um, I guess it isn't as um, powerful as we thought. He's also showing us that we have to be care, be careful of numbers that we hear that a lot of them are bogus, inflated, and these bots just downright, you know, phony. Um, but on the other hand, does he stand a chance to? you know, have to buy Twitter anyway. There are a lot of people on the side that this is going to happen, that his uh, bad faith exit strategy is not going to convince a Delaware court. And uh, I don't know. I believe that the value, the advertising revenue value is an important part of the equation. And if it can't be proven as to what that value really is, and that's sort of the core of the deal. It's hard to make someone buy it anyway. Meantime, uh, Donald Trump uh, has his Truth Social. Uh, he um, got a ton of people checking him out uh, with Ivana Trump dying. And uh, his uh, battle with Musk uh, has also gotten some attention. So uh, he may uh, not need to go back to Twitter after all if he keeps working that platform. Yeah, I guess it's uh, as long as they spell his name right. That's Matthew B. Harrison, our show's producer. He's associate publisher of Talkers and a law professor. And that about does it for this latest installment of the Michael Harrison Wrap, an overview of the national conversation, looking back at the week of Monday, July 11th through Friday, July 15th, 2022. Looking ahead, I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about next week, including the ever-lurking unknown factor, that unanticipated surprise story that can take the national conversation spinning off in a totally unexpected direction. We sure do live in interesting times. I can be reached via email at michaelatalkers.com. My podcast, The Michael Harrison Interview, can be heard at mhinterview.com. And if you want to stay in touch with the inner workings of the talk media industry, please visit talkers.com. The Michael Harrison Wrap. Our producer is Matthew B. Harrison. Thank you for listening. The Michael Harrison Wrap is a production of Good Phone Communications presented in association with Talk Media Network and Talkers Magazine. Copyright 2022. All rights reserved.